You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We are going to continue our series on the armor of God. And if you'll notice in Ephesians 6, we have covered all of the pieces of armor so far. And the pieces that we have covered have all been defensive. They have all been pieces of armor that would protect us uh, from the attacks of the devil. And by the way, uh, every piece of armor is important. Uh, God was not up in heaven um, just thinking, you know, maybe I need to come up with some more stuff for them to... No, no, no. Everything is important. Uh, It's all necessary. But God did not leave us with the defensive pieces of armor only. God didn't throw us out into the battle and say, now I I hope you can dodge and I hope you can, you know, withstand and I hope you can handle all the blows and, you know, just kind of hang on till the end. God then gave us a weapon that we can use on the offensive so that we can have victory in Jesus, so that we can be on the winning side, so that we can triumph through Christ. And you say, well, I know when we get to heaven, I know that Jesus is going to win the victory and the battle of Armageddon, and I know all that. Oh, I do too. But Jesus wants you and I to have the victory right here, right now. And we can have the victory, and the victory is found in the Word of God. Notice Ephesians 6 and uh, verse number, let's jump to verse number uh, 17. It says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Now, that is not an accident that this book is called a sword. Hebrews 4.12, it says that it is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This book is a living book. This book is a powerful book. It is a sword. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. But here we see it's the sword of the Spirit. We see that the scriptures were given to us, the Bible says in 2 Peter, as holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It was the Holy Spirit of God that authored this book, the Bible, that you and I, that we hold in our hands. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is not the Word of the Baptist Church. This is not the word of a preacher. This is not the word of a denomination. This is the word of Almighty God. And I am so thankful that we have this weapon that we can use in the battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We have the sword of the Spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us in these few moments that uh, we are together. I thank you so much for the blessing that we have received already from the Thren family. I thank you for Brother and Mrs. Thren and all of their uh, labor and all of their sacrifice. I thank you for their precious children who have given their lives to serve you and to sing and to minister. And what a blessing uh, they all have been. We thank you for them. I pray now that we would be uh, 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 attentive. I pray that we would not miss what you have for us. And Holy Spirit of God, I pray you would speak. Uh, through me. Help me not to say anything that I should not say, but help me to say everything I should say. And may the Word of God be delivered with power and with clarity, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
We have the Bible. The Bible is our weapon that we use in the battle. I have never, and I, I pray that this will uh, never happen, uh, but I have never been in a gunfight. Some of you have. Some of you law enforcement folks in here, you have been in a gunfight. But can you imagine how foolish it would be if, if I were involved in a gunfight and, and meaning that somebody is shooting at me? And by the way, if somebody's shooting at you, that's not a good place to be. I think we all would agree to that. But could you imagine if I had a gun and I knew how to use the gun and it was available and I had the ammunition and I had it ready and I had it, but I never used it. Could you imagine if I spent all my time, I was, I was ducking and I was hiding and I was dodging bullets and eventually you would say, well, pastor, hello, why don't you use a weapon to fight back? And I think a lot of Christians have become punching bags for the devil because we take all the, 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 the brunt and we take all the hits and we take all the licks and, and we're just trying to prop ourselves up and we're trying to get enough willpower and enough determination to keep on going another step. And what we fail to realize is that we have the sword, we have the Bible that is available to us, but many times we don't use it. I won't ask you to raise your hand. I would certainly never do that, never embarrass anybody. But I wonder this week, and don't, don't raise your hand, I think I know the answer to this, but I wonder if I asked how many people had problems or trials or burdens this week, I think all the hands would be up. But what if I then followed up and said, how many of you read your Bible every day this week? I'm not so sure every hand would be up. Or maybe we read it, but maybe it was just kind of racing through. Or maybe it was going through the motions, brother, Thren, you talked about that. Sometimes in our Bible reading, we can get in a rut. And by the way, that's all of us. But may God help us to get in the book because this is our weapon. I played sports in elementary and junior high and high school, and I, I enjoyed it so much. But it was important in sports that you have a defense, but you also had to have an offense. I remember in basketball, we spent a lot of time uh, working on defense because, by the way, you need to have defense. You say, well, I'm just going to take the Bible and I'm not going to put on the breastplate of righteousness and I'm not going to have the helmet of salvation. I'm not going to. No, you got to have those things. Hello, don't be foolish. But in basketball, we would have uh, uh, different defenses that we would work on. And many times it depended on the opponent. There's times where we would do just a, a strict man-to-man uh, -man defense, and that was the best defense for that team, uh, against that team. Sometimes we'd use a zone defense. Sometimes we'd do a, a half-court trap. Sometimes we'd do a full-court press. Sometimes we'd do a, a box-and-one. If the other team had a, a, somebody who was just lights out, scoring all the time, we'd stick somebody on that guy, and he'd follow that guy around the whole game, plus we had our defense in the middle. And, and so you had to have a defense. But every, every basketball team I ever played on, the coach also said, there's this thing that you got to do. You got to get that basketball. You got to take it to the other end. You got to put it in the hoop, right? You got to score. Uh, you got to know how to shoot. You got to know how to play on the other end of the court too. And as Christians, we must have both. We must have the defense, but we must have the offense. Our offense is found with and through and in the word of God. The Bible, the Word of God, is the best-selling book throughout history. Over 5 billion copies have been sold of the Word of God. 
Now, that may not sound like a big deal to you, but let me remind you, not only is the Bible the best-selling, but the Bible is the most hated book in the world. Throughout the centuries, people have tried to burn the Bibles. People have tried to ban the Bibles. Well, guess what? Many of those countries, they're off the scene. Many of those leaders have come and gone, but I'm glad to tell you today that the Bible still stands, that the Bible is still the Word of God, and it is still the sword of the Spirit. Let me give you a few thoughts quickly this morning, and I know I won't get through all of them, so don't get, don't get nervous if I only get through one point and you think we're going to be here a while. But I want to say, and this message is probably more of a, a positional message and a reminder to our church than anything, but it's also a personal message. It doesn't do you any good if I preach the Bible and I read the Bible and your, your family and your friends, they don't read the Bible and you don't read it for yourself. You've got to make it personal. I can't read the Bible for you. You can't read the Bible for me. I can't obey the Bible for you and you can't obey the Bible for me. It's kind of like this. Have you ever had somebody that they'll send you a message? They'll say, hey, I'm at your favorite restaurant and they'll take a picture of like something you really like and they'll send you a picture and say, hey, I'll eat one of these for you or I'll eat a little extra for you. Well, I don't want anybody eating anything for me because that doesn't do me any good, right? I want to be the one there eating it. I want to be the one there enjoying it. Well, can I tell you, the Bible, it only works if you read it. It only works if I read it, if we make it personal. But number one, I want you to see, turn with me to Psalm 19, if you would. The Bible, the Word of God that we're talking about is perfect. It says in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect. Now that word perfect, it has the idea, it has the meaning that it is complete. And by the way, the Bible is complete. We're not waiting for anybody to add to it. We're not waiting on anybody to revise it. We're not waiting on anybody to give us an upgrade or an update. We have the perfect, complete word of God. But it says in Psalm 19, in verse number 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. Not only is it complete, but it is without error. Now, that's hard for us to fathom because even the, 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 mo, the more careful we are and the more precise we are, we still make mistakes. We still fall short. But the Word of God does not fall short. The Word of God is complete. It is perfect. It is perfect. Verse 7, it's perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Would you turn with me, please? I, I alluded to it earlier. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. If you get past the book of Hebrews, then James, then you'll have First and 2 Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. The Bible is perfect. We have a perfect book. I am not standing here today, and as Brother Thren mentioned in Sunday school, I'm not standing here today telling you, now, here's what the Bible really means, or here's what it should say, or here would be a better way of saying what the Bible... Oh, no, 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 no. This book is perfect. 
I, I'm not here to correct the Bible. I'm here for the Bible to correct me. The Bible does not need to be rewritten. It needs to be reread. The Bible is perfect as it is. There are no errors. Second Timothy says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration, it literally, it's the word or inspired. It means that it is God breathed. This book did not come from a man. This book came from God. Now God used human authors. We know that throughout the, the, the 66 books, God used about 40 different authors. 40 men that the Holy Spirit of God spake and they wrote. As the Holy Spirit spoke, they wrote it down. And they wrote it down exactly as God gave them. Now, 40 authors. Did you know it'd be hard to get 40 people to agree on anything? Could you imagine if we took this section right here, and in this section we probably have about 40 or 50 right here, but if we took this section and we said, you can't go home this afternoon, we're going to write a book. We're going to have you write a book and you each write a chapter, and tonight we're going to put it all together, we're going to read it. Can I tell you, in this section, there would be some contradictions, and there'd be some disagreements, and there'd be some difference of opinions. And these are all people that know each other. These are all people that are living in the same time period, living in the same area of the country. Well, except for the Illinois folks, you know, but we, we give them a pass. But God used 40 men over the course of 1,500 years, over several continents, and all of those put together the Bible, and it's perfect, and it's without error. And it's without contradiction. And it all fits together perfectly. Notice 2 Peter chapter um, 1, verse number 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. You say, well, what's that talking about? Well, in Bible times, they, when they, before they had all of the Bible complete, they would have to hear somebody and somebody would say, God told me to say this. And they had to discern whether or not that was true. And they had some ways whereby they would test it and they would try it to make sure it was legitimate. But can I tell you, we don't have to do that today. If a pastor or a preacher stands up behind a pulpit or, or stands up on a platform or, or gets up behind a, a, a microphone or gets behind a video camera and a preacher says anything and he says, here's what the Lord said, you don't have to wonder because you can check it out for yourself. You can go to the Bible and say, well, if the Bible says it, then yes, that preacher's right. If the Bible does not say that, then that preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. But we have a more sure word because we have the Bible, the word of God, that we can read and we can hold in our hands. Whereunto ye do well, that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Don't ever let somebody tell you, well, now, see, God hasn't revealed this to you, but God's revealed to me that this is, a oh, no, 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 no. It's not of any private interpretation. Anybody can read it. It's available to everybody. It's not just available to the pastors. It's not just available to the church leaders. It's available to every man and woman, boy and girl. It's of no private interpretation. Verse 21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. It's not by the will of man. 
But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We have the Bible. Would you turn with me to Isaiah 46? Isaiah 46, if you're back in the Old Testament, get past Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. Isaiah 46, we see that God's Word gives us prophecies of things that have not yet even happened, have not even taken place yet, but God's Word has told us exactly what to expect. Isaiah 46, verse number 9. Uh, 46, verse number 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is none else. I am God, there is none like me. Verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Now, here's the amazing thing about the Bible is the Bible gives us prophecies of things that have not even happened yet, but you can mark it down, it's going to happen. In the Old Testament, there are approximately 125 specific prophecies of Jesus Christ and how he would be born and how he would live and how he would die, and his life, and uh, when he would be born, and all of the details, 125 specific prophecies that were given, hundreds and even some thousands of years before Jesus was ever born. Would you like to guess how many of those prophecies were fulfilled in the life of Jesus? All of them. And can I tell you, if every prophecy up to this point has been fulfilled, that means we know what's coming in the future. We've got the book of Revelation. We've got the, uh, we've got the book of Daniel that tell us of the end times. We know that Jesus is coming back. We know there's going to be a tribulation on earth. We know there's going to be a supper in heaven. We know that there's going to be a thousand year reign of Christ. And we know all of that because God has given us his word and it is perfect. Number one, I'm glad that we have a Bible that is perfect. Number two, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 12. Psalm 12. And in case you're wondering if I can see that clock, I could see that if I were in my house um, halfway down the street. They say that they say that was the only one they could find, but it just makes me wonder because it is so big and it is so bright. I don't even know. We may be able to save electricity uh, during the service. We may be able to cut all of these chandeliers and it may still be plenty bright just with that one light up there. Uh, Psalm 12. Brother Thren, thank the Lord for assistant pastors, right? Verse number six. Not only is the word of God perfect, but number two, we see that the word of God is preserved. Now stay with me. You say, well, pastor, that's the same thing. It's not the same. And I want you to see, hear, understand why. Verse six, the words of the Lord are pure words. Now we know that. God doesn't make any mistakes. What God speaks is perfect. It's pure. It's right. There's no error. It says, as silver is tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Now, seven in the Bible is the number of perfection. It's the number of completion. And this book, let me tell you, this book has been through the fire. This book, we'll, we'll see next week, there have been people who have given their lives so that you and I could have a copy of the Bible in our hands. But the Bible is pure. But verse 7, it says, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. 
Now, now here's the issue. You see, some people would say, and some people would, would agree, that yes, the Bible is perfect. Yes, the Word of God is perfect. We agree with that. We understand that. But some people would say, man, it's just too bad we don't have it. It's too bad that Moses had the perfect word when God gave him the words to write for Genesis through Deuteronomy. And boy, it's a good thing God gave David the words to, words to write in the book of Psalms, but we don't have that today. Some people would say, well, you know, God gave Paul the words to write in the New Testament, all those letters, but boy, it's just it's so unfortunate we don't have it today, so we just have to do the best we can. Christian life, you just got to kind of wing it, you know, and just kind of guess and just hope it all works out. Well, friend, here's the beauty. Not only did God give us a perfect word through inspiration, but God has given us his perfect word through preservation. It says that he would preserve them from this generation and forever. That has not expired yet, right? Forever, still going? And can I tell you, we have a perfect Bible, but we have a preserved word. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. And, and the Bible says that he was fasting that whole time. And Satan came to him and Satan began to tempt him. And he said, uh, uh, Jesus, why don't you command these stones to be made into bread? Now, can I tell you, if you hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, you'd probably be considering that one. Some of you, you haven't eaten in four hours and you're about ready to die right now. But Jesus' answer to, to the devil, he said, hey, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, here's what I believe. Jesus said, man cannot make it. Man cannot live, man cannot get, go through life unless man has every word of God. Why would Jesus say that and say, but too bad you don't have every word. Too bad you're not even sure if you have the Bible. Too bad, too bad you don't know which version's right. I am so thankful that not only do we have a perfect book, but we have a preserved book. Would you go back with me? We'll close, we'll wrap it up here in just a minute. First Peter uh, chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, the Bible. I asked the friends, uh, they sang that song in Sunday school. I asked them to sing it again because, Fred, I want to remind you the value that we have, the treasure that we have by having the Word of God that is available to us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God which liveth, and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. I am so thankful that we have the word of God. Now the God that spoke the worlds into existence the God that said, let there be light, and there was light. The God that, that, that created you and created me. The God of the universe that says to the wind and to the waves, uh, uh, peace be still. That same God is the God who gave us his word. And not only did he give us his word, but he has preserved his word. 
we have, and by the way, I've gone over this in our workers' meetings. It's in our constitution and bylaws and all that. But I think Satan, I think Satan has done a very good job of confusing people with different versions of the Bible. That's why we use for the English language. Now, I can't speak. I know Natalie and her family, they're in Mexico, and they, they know Spanish and all that stuff. I can't speak all, all the other languages. I'm still working on English myself. But I know this for English-speaking people. I believe with all my heart, I believe that we have the Word of God preserved for us in the King James Version of the Bible. I don't even like to use the word version because it's the Bible. But here's what I want to say. If God is powerful enough to create this universe, if He's powerful enough to calm the storm and the wind and the waves, and if He can keep the sun and the moon and the stars in orbit, if He can do all of that, I believe He has the power to preserve His Word from this generation and forever. The Bible, number one, we'll, we'll, cover, we'll finish next week, but number one, please don't ever forget, we have a perfect book. We have a book that has no errors. It is inerrant and it is infallible. And we have a book that is preserved. I'm so thankful that God in heaven, he looked down to 2022 and he saw a group of people here in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, and he said, I'm going to make sure that they've got a Bible because they're going to need it. And by the way, do we ever need it? I believe we need it now more now than we have ever needed it before. Let's read it. Let's live it. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.